Hi, I'm Will, a bilingual English teacher and American expat living in Germany. And I'm Brenna, the editor of a literary magazine and a contrarian bookworm. Welcome to Scribes and Bibe, where we get tipsy and talk about etymology. We look up words with weird and shameful pasts or strange and contradictory meanings and then tell each other about them. The imbibing is primarily there to excuse the fact that I can't pronounce most morphemes to save my life. Sometimes we forget to do introductions because we're so jazzed to talk to each other about words and their circuitous histories of meaning. So for this episode, we managed to talk about sesquipedalian, uxorious, moot, and saponification before being completely derailed by America's positive etymological reaction to moral decay. Enjoy! We should talk about some words, William. Yes, let's. At some point, we'll have to do uh, a proper sesh with whiskey and I can just day drink because <laughs> I'm done with class for this semester. So hey! I can, I can be irresponsible and drink whenever the fuck I want now. I think that should be the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people would be like, yes, that's me. That's what I want to be all the time. <laughs> Irresponsible and drinking during the day. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people out there doing that anyway. I, sh- I should have prepared something on rooibos because I love that word, but I know nothing about it. I'm just going to drink it's it It's a instead. really weird word. I don't even say I don't you know what I think there should be like a a prefacing on this podcast that I don't know how to pronounce any words ever (laughs) like I'm I'm good at spelling and I can write words no problem but I cannot pronounce any of them so you know that poem um, is it called the chaos about English pronunciation oh yes that's a good one that encapsulates perfectly how bad I am at guessing how to pronounce new words I mean, I think there's room in in this to talk about all of the stupid ways that English uh, burgles other mm. other languages and how we treat that like there are rules for English, like oh, you know, I before e except after c, but also like fifteen or sixteen other very common words. So you know. <laughs> it was a fun little mind drawing that somebody wrote down about how English is like uh, a mugger in a dark alleyway that, that beats up random languages and takes their grammar and semantics. Yeah, goes goes through their pockets for loose grammar or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a word that I don't know how to pronounce. Um, riffles? Rifles? Through Actu- pockets? No, there are two words, and one of them is riffle and one of them is rifle. I think in this case you would use the word rifle. Rifling through someone, yeah. Which means to go through someone's pockets, yeah. Or, but I or wonder, whatever. but I wonder why. We should also make note of like everything where we go. Huh? I wonder where mm. that came mm-hmm. from. <laughs> yes, we should. That's a really good idea. <laughs> All right. So I know it's been like six months, but I think that you should tell me again um, what you discovered about uh, sesquipedalia because I think it's a great starting word, and I would love it on the record okay 
sesquipedalia, or as it's more commonly used, and this is what I found out, it's not usually used as a noun or a substantive. It's usually used as an adjective, and the word can actually be used to describe itself um, because it means something that is long or a word that is long and multisyllabic, and that is sesquipedalian. It's a really long English word. And obviously, a whole bunch of syllables all up in. <laughs> if you were to take it apart and explain it literally, it would mean a foot and a half. Um, and I, I can go back and find my notes on why exactly that is. Um, I'll bet, I'll bet, I'll bet it was for Latin pickup lines. <laughs> like, hey, baby, you want to see something that's sesquipedalian? And... <laughs> and she's like, yeah, for sure. Give me your eloquence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really into that idea. I would be, I would be part of that. <laughs> yeah. So, in any case, obviously, part of it is uh, ped, which has to do with foot, and sesqui. Um, I have to go and find out what exactly that means. I, We're professionals it, I think here. it has something to do with 1.5 or something like that. Its most common use has been, since it's been around, in describing writing or speaking styles. Um, because it can either be very positive, like I could say, Brenna, I think that your uh, paper or your article was particularly sesquipedalian if I think that it was really eloquent yet concise. However, if I want to diss you, and if I want to flame your article into the ground, then I will say, gosh darn it, you've gone and written a sesquipedalian piece of junk. No one has time to riffle through long-winded sentences <laughs> like that. And I like it. It's a word that I don't think I'll ever use in common conversation because no one else will know what it is. Well, that's how you find your nerd friends, right? Like, it's all like, all the people who are excited when you use sesquipedalian mm. are the people you want to be closer to yeah it's a good test when you're thrown into new groups of people <laughs> and you can sneakily diss people if you want to yeah and i've got um two other words for you but i want to hear from yours from well, your side of things befo first. before we go to my side i had a fun thing about sesquipedalia because of course your uh your segment got me doing my own research on it and um i found out that there is uh, medical terminology for someone who fears long multisyllabic words, and that word is <laughs> sesquipedaliophobia. Oh, cool. Like, <laughs> where you're just like, oh, yes, no, I have this horrible fear, and it's like, oh, yeah, what is it? And you're like, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't say. <laughs> I won't say it. It's, it, it. It would hurt me. <laughs> oh, that is a gem. Isn't that cruel? Isn't that cruel of the medical community? <laughs> It is, and it. so lovely. Yeah, very. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very apt. I like that. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we can talk about my word. Um, my word also. I had a couple of add-ons to it because I got going with my um, feminist fury. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, my word was uxorious, which. You know, whenever I, I say it, I want to like, it makes me sound like an NPR radio host. I'm like, uxorious, and it just sounds really like <laughs> soothing. But it's well, not. It's, it's, an, it's an insult. You have to say it like, oh, God, William, could you be more uxorious with your girlfriend? Like, it has to be sassy, and I'm really, I'm really bad at it. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
I think it's a hard word to make sassy. Yeah. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. No, I definitely looked up the pronunciation. No. Um, but it just means uh, being overly uh, fond or submissive toward your wife. The, uh, oh. let's see, late 16th century equivalent of um, whipped is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I would not have a problem with this on its own, except that there is no equivalent for the the opposite. Uh, yeah. Oh, I I like that point. I don't I don't enjoy it when there's only a one sided term that only applies to some constellations. Do you want to talk more about the sexism inherent in Uxorius? Um, only only to point out something that I think is really fun um, that I think everyone should know, which is so I started looking into Uxorius, which has Latin roots. Um, Uxor. Uh, is the Latin word for wife. And actually the root of it comes from just she who becomes accustomed. The idea being that like she becomes accustomed to her father's house and then she marries and she becomes accustomed to a different house or uh, her husband's house. So like the idea is like woman as property as in transition between ownership kind of, I think would not be a huge stretch, but like either way saying that like a wife is someone who has to adapt to her husband rather than it being, you know, heaven forbid, the other way around. Um, <laughs> kind of leads into what Uxorius is really getting at, which is that, like, your focus shouldn't be on your wife. And if it is, you know, you're sort of worthy of scorn in an, in an interesting way. Um, that wasn't the, the fun trivia that I wanted to say. The fun trivia I wanted to say is that the word husband and wife actually come from Old Saxon. Hmm. Who's being house bondy, meaning someone who owns land or tills land. It's where we get like husbandry, like yeah, animal husbandry right. and whatnot. Right. Huh. Um, so like a husband is a, a man with a house who owns the land, who tills the land, and with uh, just means woman, which I think is pretty cool. It's just like it's a very straightforward word. It's just like hey, you're a woman and you live here with this dude. So I guess, you know, like that's where we're going to go from there. But the word for <laughs> for man in Old Saxon is were. It's where we get werewolf, um, which just means man wolf, which I think is yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. So it's funny that like the word for woman turned into wife, but the word for man didn't turn into the word for husband that we have other ideas of what a husband can be but a wife is just a woman because all women are just wives i just that's just really right strange oofta no oh, so that was my word oh sorry yeah i like it that has some serious depth um my next word also mm. has depth because i've used it as long as i can remember and my dad is a big fan of this word and i i think it's great it is both an adjective and noun and a verb Ooh. And it is the glorious yet short word moot. Moot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> My body is ready. Okay, really. so we'll start with its adjective use. As an adjective, well, if something is moot, then it's deemed trivial, irrelevant. Um, you don't need to worry about it. Or, and this is getting to the roots of moot, moot roots. <laughs> Um, (laughs) something is moot if it is open for discussion what Uh, and that actually is connected to its meaning when used as a verb 
because as a verb, to moot something means to broach a topic or um, start a discussion, and that's its classic meaning. I've heard it used to mean to make something trivial or irrelevant, to moot something. But it used to be used as, yeah, let's talk about stuff, let's start a meeting, let's start a discussion, let's moot something. Which, and this is where it gets fun, because it's also used as a noun, so you can have a moot. And this is where Tolkien comes in, because J.R.R. Tolkien was like, this is a good word. I also have some cool creatures that are all about broaching discussion and taking a long time with it. Yes, they will have an end moot. Oh my god. So, the... Oh my the word ent mood is, is this much more complex idea than I ever thought moot could be. I thought it was just something unimportant. So so talk to me about the timeline. So it started out meaning something like like you you're opening up for discussion and and then it became like over time, over use, it became to trivialize to make irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So back in the day and we're talking Old English and Germanic uh, back in the day, ah. it used to mean an assembly or meeting or as a verb to converse. And that, that's it. That's where it came from. And since then, we've gotten this new meaning uh, layered on top of it with triviality. Okay, well, I think we should rename this podcast Moots and Mules, and we'll drink <laughs> Moscow Mules and have a moot. I think that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, next episode, we could do that. <laughs> Just change it every time. Yeah, we can have um, whatever we are sipping on uh, depend on what we talked about in the previous episode. I love it. That's really delightful. Speaking of Tolkien, did you know that he um, coined the word tween? No way. Yeah, so obviously we use it now to mean like like a much younger person than he meant. We use it to mean kind of like teenager who's starting to feel, you know, a little older than the onset of puberty. But like he meant it to mean like a like a like a young immature hobbit who was in their twenty <laughs> in their twenties. But since hobbits live longer, it was sort of he was. Just, I think he was just making a joke about teenager and twenties, and so he went with with tween. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. Wow. Cool. I bet somewhere out there, if if there is something like an afterlife, souls like Tolkien and uh, Mr. Pratchett mm. are hanging out mm. and just playing with words mm. and uh, using them to make fun of us. And <laughs> possibly engaging in fisticuffs with each other because... Damn, some of those guys. I mean, what, it wasn't Tolkien? He was um, oh, yeah. enlisted in World War One. Oh, I meant more specifically that he and C.S. Lewis were good friends until Tolkien's Catholicism and C.S. Lewis's robust Protestantism um, became at odds. And then they hated each other the rest of their lives, and they hated each other's fantasy worlds. C.S. Lewis, oh, Lewis only put a lamp in Narnia as like the big focal point because J.R. Tolkien said, you can't make a fantasy novel with a street lamp in it. You can't do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so, That's so petty. No, they were like the pettiest motherfuckers. This is the weirdest <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh, I wanted to, your, your moot word reminded me of something I heard recently about the way that a word can start having a meaning. And the way we use it, sometimes creatively and sarcastically and everything else can 
create almost the opposite meaning uh, is the mm-hmm. word decadent. Mm-hmm. Yes, as an adjective now, obviously we mean rich and pleasantly sinful and, you know, sort of mm. lap of luxury kind of thing. But it originally meant uh, causing moral decay. Ooh. Right? <laughs> oh, that is... Yes. That's lovely. So you're like, you know, I'm guessing you're like a in the tw- 20s or something with the flappers and you're like, oh, all of this is so decadent. And then they were like, fuck yeah, it's decadent. We're taking it. That's our <laughs> word now. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's what... That's why we are here. <laughs> that's really... Yeah, because now it's... It does feel sort of luxurious and over the top, but not having no bearing on our souls <laughs> <laughs> well and, and with no negative connotations it is the thing that i find really strange that we're like embracing the moral decay now <laughs> like yes this chocolate cake is causing the it's downfall so de- of our souls damnation tastes good all right tell me about your next word i'm excited Okay, the next one is less, um, well, less complex in terms of etymology, more complex in terms of what it describes, because the next word I learned from a how to make everything video. Excellent. um, Where the dude man talked about making soap, and the next word is a noun, and it is saponification, which is the word for the chemical conversion of fats to soap uh, if you apply heat to those fats in the present of an aqueous alkali. And in this case, it's basically saying, all right, you've got your fats. Let's say a whole bunch of various oils and you heat those up and you heat up water and lye and then you dump the water lye mixture into the oils and then let that cool and let that set for a long time. And then you have soap. And the process between adding the lye water mixture to the oils and the result in, of soap, that is saponification. So you just found the working title for Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so if anyone wants to talk to you about that um, group. Report them to the leaves. FBI. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You want to come to a saponification club? (laughs) And what is the first rule of saponification club? (laughs) First, figure out how to pronounce it. (laughs) And then don't ever say it. (laughs) Ever again. Yeah, so those are my words. Um, Saponification, I think, is just interesting because it's so specific in what it describes. Yeah, it really is. The definition is full of words that... I had to look up. I had to go and find out what exactly is an aqueous alkali. I am still not 100% certain I know what that means or like 50% certain. You sounded very sure of yourself, so. Well, I know that it's water and lye, but I don't know what an aqueous alkali Mm. is. Yeah. Well, and that's weird, isn't it? That like, like the process must have been important enough to certain groups to get its own terminology like that. Yeah. Totally, instead of just chemical soap making. <laughs> yeah, do you have, so for the the wrapping up part of all of this, mm. do you have a favorite word that we talked about today? 
Moot is a clear winner for me. I think that's mm. I think that's amazing. I love a word with contradictory meanings, multiple meanings, and that can be used in multiple parts of speech. And the fact that Tolkien himself made it integral to his uh, end species is is really wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I really I really like moot. Before I found out more about it, and now that I know more about it. And I also am looking forward to talking about rifling and also the pronunciation side, so the linguistic side of that. Hmm. Yes, this is going to be great. Excellent. Well, so it sounds like we clearly have our next two episodes prepared. (laughs) Now we just have to move to the future and make it the present. Beautiful. All right. Well, I will just, uh, you know, focus on time travel and you focus on etymology and uh, (laughs) and the point point will be moot. (laughs) Ha ha! doing it cheers cheers oh dip we didn't have an outro either well this has been our show i'd like to give a special thanks to wes price for writing our theme music this has been scribes imbibe and we'll talk to you in the future <laughs>